Management Concepts understands that people are the most important resource for building, supporting, and sustaining a high-performing organization. Management Concepts helps you plan for, develop, and manage your workforce to achieve your mission. Learn how at managementconcepts.com. Welcome to People First, a strategy to drive change conversation. Here's today's moderator, Jason Miller. Welcome to the discussion. My guests today are Tim Bowden, General Manager of Consulting for Management Concepts, Sherry Merrill, the Executive Director of Product Management for Management Concepts, Anna Malden, the Product Management Director for Leadership and Management for Management Concepts, and Lahaja Ferrara, a Senior Human Capital Advisor for Management Concepts. Uh, welcome to the program. Glad you're all here to join the discussion. And what a perfect time for this discussion. Agencies are starting to take real steps and reorganize and restructure. You're seeing the Agriculture Department, for instance, consolidate around mission areas. The Department of Housing and Urban Development is looking at how to close small offices around the country and centralize administrative functions. And there's even discussion that Interior may be moving some headquarters functions out west. But we know several things. First, reforming the agency or any organization is hard. Agencies aren't starting from scratch. They also face a number of existing constraints just as, such as the ex existing workforce, a fixed set of resources to invest, and a mission objective that's not likely to change. So how do all these agencies work to, within these limitations, develop a strategy to get where they want to be? And what role does the workforce play at all levels of the organization? Well, that's why we have a panel of experts. So let me first start with uh, our first panelist. Uh, let me go all the way at the other side of the table for Tim. Uh, when we talk about change, when we talk about change management, when we talk about reorganization, you have individual, you have leadership perspectives. Talk a little bit about those two perspectives to, to kind of get us started. Sure, Jason. You know, I think that the thing to, that we think about often at Management Concepts when we're thinking about how you manage change at the organizational level is that you have to start with the people and that individual level person who often feels so much fear and anxiety because there's uncertainty in the environment and there's a lot of change and they just don't know what to do about it. But what we've seen is that the people who survive and thrive in those kind of uncertain environments are really the ones who take the opportunity to own their own future, who will pause and think critically about what they are as a worker, about what their capabilities are, and do some real self-reflection and self-assessment about where they wanna go and what they can do in the future. And you know that self-assessment, self-reflection can be sort of a tricky concept. It can be hard for people to get their head around. And so when I've been at points in my career, sort of inflection points where I needed to think critically about who I am and what I wanted to do, there are really kind of four key activities that help me get through that. You know, the first is looking at the folks I work with and my peers and saying, what do I admire that they're good at? What are the things that I wish I could do that I see them doing? And how can I build those capabilities? Um, what are three or four things that I do every day that I can get better at? I think, you know, I look at the end of every day and I say, you know, this didn't go so well. How could I do that better in the future? And then, you know, the other piece is what feedback have I gotten or can I get from mentors or people who I work with that can help me identify trends and, and places that I can get better? And lastly, are there things in performance conversations that I've had with my supervisor or my manager that have come up over and over again? Either things that I do really well or things that I can get better at. And those sort of self-assessment questions really help me to hone in on areas that I can grow and develop and areas that I can own and take forward into the future. And I think that the last part of that, you know, there's the self-assessment piece, but there's also self-reflection. And that's really about figuring out what you're good at. 
we've all seen uh, and what you're passionate about. You know, you've seen the Venn diagram, right? It shows up in my LinkedIn feed. It feels like once a week where there's a circle on the left that says, you know, what I love and a circle on the right that says what I can get paid for. And the intersection is like, this is where you should be working. And it's always in this context of you need to change careers or find a new job or be an entrepreneur to make that unison. Self-reflection is about finding that spot where your passions and your capabilities link up and looking at your day-to-day work and figuring out how you can contribute to your own organization by owning that intersection. And we, we can make that complicated, but really it's not. I worked for a client many years ago in the Navy uh, doing systems engineering and acquisition policy work. Uh, and right, even I didn't find it was that interesting and I got paid to do it. But somehow she managed to find this niche of connecting the policy development work she did with helping soldiers and sailors be safe and come back home to their families. And she brought that unique passion to the job every day and it was infectious. And so she managed to even in a a job that felt mundane, find a way to unite her passion, her capabilities, to find a real place where she could develop herself and own her own career so that no matter what was going on in organizations around her, she had a place to anchor. And I think that's the real key for individuals as they try to survive during this time of change. Tim brings up some really interesting points, and I'm going to actually turn to Lahaja for some some comments since you are our HR expert in many ways on this panel. I think we all have a little bit. But one of the things that you have to be uh, keep in mind is how can the individual right be that self-reflection? It's so sure. hard to do. How, how do you ensure they're equipped to do what they need to do? Sure. So one of the things that an individual can do is to get a coach or a mentor. Um, that coach or mentor can be found within the organization or could be found outside of the organization. But that coach or mentor will help that individual with perspective. Where do they need to focus their attention? During times of change, oftentimes people focus inward and they have a very narrow focus. And that coach or mentor could offer perspective for that individual. Now, I think finding the coach is sometimes difficult. And how do you find the right person? And you think you have somebody and then they are like, that doesn't work. Do you have recommendations? What have you seen that works for finding that right person? Is there anything? Yeah, so at Management Concepts, we offer a pool of coaches and we match individuals with multiple coaches and so that way they can take a look at their resume and see what resonates for them. And you know, it's okay to work with a coach for a little while and if that doesn't work, you can end the relationship and start a new one. I think that's a great point because you don't want to end it, right? You don't want to be that negative, well, that didn't work. But maybe that's okay. Sherry, jump in here a little bit. Talk a little bit about your perspective because the the importance of ensuring that the person is ready to to understand the change that's going around them. Absolutely. I think one of the really interesting things about change is that we encounter that every single day, not just at work, but in our personal lives. And being able to have transferable skills that go from one to the other will really set you up for success. And I think you know, buying a house, getting a new car, getting a new job, all of those things are things that we tackle day in and day out. It's the same skills and the same competencies that you need to be successful in the workplace. And so we had one client who actually thought, this is a great idea, we're gonna take three different changes. We're gonna do a new competency model and new performance management and a, a huge reorganization uh, to, our, to our group. And they thought, this is great, we're gonna do it all at once. But to the folks that we did focus groups with and did surveys with, they thought, oh my gosh, this is so overwhelming. I don't know how we're gonna do all of these different things and still stay focused and be successful. And so the trick is thinking, well, how do you do that in your personal life? And how can you take those things that help you navigate through the day to day 
and not only use them to be successful in your personal life, but also in your professional life, because ultimately it's the same core set of skills. I want to bring Anna in on this conversation as well, because one of the things about what Sherry was talking about, what Elijah was talking about, is kind of, as, as Sherry said, I thought it was really well, well said, everyday life just translates into workplace. But there's other things that you need to kind of keep in mind, too, as, as you're going through these changes. Absolutely. And so what we found in looking at scores of data every year that we gather from our clients and people that come through our classrooms is that there really are some skills that differentiate you as you build your leadership capability, especially in the federal government. And it's really about how you think about your thinking. So consider skills like creative thinking, critical thinking, strategic thinking, all of those things that are going to prepare you to be adaptile and agile in the moment, but also remain um, above the issue and, and keep that perspective. And I think it also goes without saying that people need to be resilient. When change is constant and that is our normal, um, that is a skill that all of us could benefit from, both in our personal lives and day to day in the office. It's interesting you talk about being resilient. And mm -hmm. so many times when you talk about restructuring and changing and reorganization, the negativity is, oh, that's going to be awful for me. Yeah. Uh, is that something you guys are seeing that, that agencies have a trouble with, is understanding that, hey, not everything's a bad change? Absolutely. And yeah. I think seeing that transformation in our clients is we explain to them that there are are things, tangible things you can do day to day, they really, they, they leave our engagements and our programs thinking, I can do this. If I break it down, if I understand what's required of me and where I have control in the situation and the ability to move the organization forward, they feel really empowered. So that fear becomes an opportunity. You said the key word control. Yep. We're going to take a quick break and come back. Maybe we'll delve into that a little bit. You're listening to the panel discussion, People First, a strategy to drive change, sponsored by Management Concepts on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Management Concepts understands that people are the most important resource for building, supporting, and sustaining a high-performing organization. Management Concepts helps you plan for, develop, and manage your workforce to achieve your mission. Learn how at managementconcepts.com. Welcome back. You're listening to the panel discussion, People First, a strategy to drive change, sponsored by Management Concepts on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guests today are Tim Bowden, the General Manager of Consulting for Management Concepts, Sherry Merrill, the Executive Director of Product Management for Management Concepts, Anna Malden, the Product Development Director for Leadership and Management at Management Concepts, and Lahaja Ferrara, a Senior Human Capital Advisor for Management Concepts. We talked the last segment about the individual, and I want to move us over to the other side of the coin, which is the management side, the leadership side. Because basically, Sherry, I'm going to start with you. It takes two to tango, right? And just uh, all the change has got to happen at the person, at the people level, but it also has to come from the management in some ways, or, or that's be some management help. So talk about what leaders need to kind of keep in mind as well. Absolutely. I think a really great place to start as a leader is actually not that different than some of the places you start as an individual. You know, ask yourself as you think about change you've gone through, what did I, what would I have wished would have happened differently? Um, how can I set my team up to be successful? Um, you know, what challenges are they going to encounter? What are some of the elements of this that might be really different? Or what are some of the things that are going to stay the same? essentially create a checklist for yourself of FAQs that you've asked or you have asked other people or have had people ask you and pre-script some answers to those so that when your team comes to you, you're ready to help them navigate through this change successfully. Essentially put yourself in their shoes. Think about what they're going to want to know, when they're going to want to know it, and why it matters to them and really be there to support them as they go through this change. 
do you get a sense if there's one question, if there's the, what's the top question managers get? Why me? Why now? Which, which one? Or all of those, all, all of those. the above. I think really, you know, ultimately it always comes down to what's in this for me? How does this impact me? And being able to think about that uh, from their perspective is going to show that you've prepared them for this change and you've prepared yourself to help support them. Now, now Tim, this is not an easy question to answer sometimes. Uh, maybe I'm not sure how it's going to impact you. Maybe it doesn't impact you. Maybe it's going to impact you greatly. Talk a little bit about your perspective and what, what kind of when you guys work with the leadership to, to kind of help them through this change. Yeah, you know, there's a, a couple core things. I think Sherry hits the nail right on the head with about being prepared and building your own individual leadership capability and readiness and the tools you need so that you can be ready for those questions. You know, this is no secret that change is hard, right? There's all sorts of studies that tell you that 80% of change management efforts fail. We did a study with Human Capital Media a few months ago where only 4% of our government respondents told us that they had seen successful change in their organizations. And we look at how leaders can prepare for that. And I really think it all boils down to thinking of the people first. So often people get left behind by leaders in a change or initiative. You know, you see the 80-20 rules or the 20-60-20 that change management practitioners talk about where there's some notional group of your team that's gonna support a change, some that are gonna be ambiguous and some that are gonna resist. And we get so caught up as leaders in figuring out who's in what group and how do I message to that group. And really the truth of the matter is, what group I'm in on any given day might be different than it was the day before because change is different and we migrate uh, through our experience in a different way. And so we like to talk about what if you didn't really worry about what group someone was in or how you message to resistors versus supporters and advocates. And what if instead you thought about building an enterprise where everybody had the tools to succeed in a change organization. What if you used your change as an opportunity to create a people-centered workplace where things were measured differently, where people were encouraged and facilitated to tie their passions to the mission of the organization, and you began to create new ways of measuring impact? You know, there's so much interesting research going on in organizations like Mars and Zappos and Google, uh, where they're finding out that it really is what's good for individuals is good for organizations, and what's good for organizations are good for the constituents they serve. And so as a leader during change, I think you really need to focus on building that environment where folks can connect with the ultimate end state, with their passions, where you measure things in a different way, um, and where you encourage people to show up in a way that brings their whole self to work so that they're ready and able to be resilient when the change comes. Uh, Lahaja, you were shaking your head there. You must have heard something that Tim said that, that you agreed with. Talk a little bit about your perspective because from a, again, taken from the HR hat. A people-centered um, organization really is about the leader stepping away from the conventional notion of putting themselves first and their success first and putting the individuals first and really helping them understand, the individual understand, how do their values connect to the mission of the organization? So there are a couple things that leaders can do, right? One of the things is helping individuals connect their personal values to the mission of the organization. It's also about um, creating open lines of communications for individuals to talk amongst themselves and with their manager and feel comfortable about talking with their manager about different things. The other thing is helping, under helping individuals understand the why behind decisions. Why is this change occurring? Why are we having this organizational change or anything else? Help them really understand the why. The open lines of communication is tough because, especially in a big organization sure. like a federal agency, there's not just a few of us that are sitting around. It could be 
40, 50, 100 people. Is there, is there, is it brown bag lunches? Is it video teleconferencing if people are out on different sites? Is there, a, is there one way or, or multiple ways that you see that seems to work best? It's exactly what you said. It's multiple ways. So whatever size of your organization, tailor your communication for that size of the organization. If you don't have connection with individuals and they're not in the same place, you might have to use video conferencing. You might have to use town halls. You might have to cascade those messages through levels of management as well. Uh, Anna, let me bring you into this conversation a little bit because a lot of times when we start talking about management, there's all these uh, excitement around, well, you got to do it this way, you got to do it that way, or, or, or this is the best way. Yeah. You can name your uh, process re-engineering effort. Yeah. What, what should leaders do to really see what works, understand what works for them or well, their organization? And there's a lot of cliches around that too, right? You pick up any kind of book and they've got the, the magic pill, the answer <laughs> you know, that, that you can take and show up completely differently in the organization than you did uh, yesterday. And I love that question because it's, it's, a bunch of, it's a bunch of bull, honestly. Leadership is about finding your personal style and being authentic. And if you can't show up and, and lead the way you want to lead with others, nobody's going to follow you. So if you're reading a blog or you're reading a new management book, find what works for you. Don't try and follow it you know, soup to nuts, but really find those practices that make sense for you. Because once you understand what motivates you as a leader and how you want to show up, you're then going to be able to talk to your team or your teams and help them find that for themselves. And, and Sherry, do you have to adapt sometimes your leadership style to your people? I mean, you have, you, have, you have a bunch of introverts. If you're working with, let's pick on scientists, right, who like to work by themselves, versus you're working with people who serve the customer every day, those are two different personalities. Absolutely, and it, it ties to some of the themes we've already talked about in terms of being adaptable, right? So it's hearing those themes, it's trying them, it's testing them, it's seeing what works for each different person on your team and being able to, I'll add another buzzword to the list, to flex your style, right? So to know what's going to motivate Anna compared to Tim, compared to Lahaja, and as a leader, being able to identify those drivers, incorporate them into your style, and really integrate that into your day-to-day behavior with each person on your team. And I think that is the key to understand the people. You, uh, there's no one size fits all, there's no magic pill, but understanding, okay, for Sherry, I gotta do it differently than Anna. We have to take a break. You're listening to the panel discussion, People First, a strategy to drive change, sponsored by Management Concepts on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Management Concepts understands that people are the most important resource for building, supporting, and sustaining a high-performing organization. Management Concepts helps you plan for, develop, and manage your workforce to achieve your mission. Learn how at managementconcepts.com. Welcome back. You're listening to the panel discussion, People First, a strategy to drive change, sponsored by Management Concepts, on federalnewsradio.com at 1500 AM. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guests today are Tim Bowden, the General Manager of Consulting for Management Concepts, Sherry Merrill, the Executive Director of Product Management for Management Concepts, Anna Malden, the Product Management Director for Leadership and Management for Management Concepts, and Lahaja Ferrara, a Senior Human Capital Advisor for Management Concepts. Now, before break, we started the last two segments. We talked about individual, we talked about leaders, but then there's the bigger leadership side, right? And I'm going to start with Tim on this question, the, the leadership, the organization. There, there's a skill set that's also needed to, to look maybe at the 50,000-foot view or the 30,000-foot view. How should leaders kind of take that broader perspective, too? 
Yeah, you know, Jason, I think the critical piece here is for leaders to maintain a systems thinking perspective about their organizations. You know, change can be a little bit like the butterfly effect, right? This whole notion that a butterfly flaps its wings at Tahiti and causes tsunami in Western Europe. And, you know, maybe that's a little overstated, but really not by much. You know, there's this notion that changes in one part of an organization, even if they feel disconnected from a different part of the organization, when uncertainty is high, they have ripple effects and people feel what that's like. Uh, maybe in a part of the organization that you think is very disparate, maybe it's the, the Alaska field office, and you think, oh, changes at headquarters won't have any impact on them. But the reality is even a small change there, people can feel in a far part of the organization and a leader needs to keep the perspective on that. And I think they do that by some of the things we talked about earlier, and that's getting to know the motivations and uh, passions of their people and how those passions connect to the mission of the organization, even when that mission might be changing. And how do you give them that sort of new thing to anchor on, that new North Star, for them to understand how what they do every day helps uh, with, with delivering value to the constituents that you're going to get to. And right, we get this all the time. Leaders say, oh my gosh, I supervise 50 people. I can't possibly know what their motivations are. And you know, there's a couple things I say to that. One is, uh, we all have a lot of white space where we don't take advantage of the incidental interactions that we have. I like to think about the time I'm riding in an elevator with someone on my team and what can I do to get to know them in that 30 second ride or we kind of work in an older building so maybe a couple hours when the elevator's stuck, how can I take advantage of that time? Um, or you know, maybe the walk from the parking lot. Or more importantly, how do I manage through other people? You know, it might work with 50, but if you have 150 or 400, really the only way you can know how a change is going to ripple through your organization is to get effective at managing through others, helping them understand the value uh, of knowing what motivates their people and how to share that, how to get that information and how to push it back up so that you as an enterprise level leader can think critically about how changes ripple. It's also managing, you talk about managing through other people, it's also ensuring those second level or third level managers are also doing their job to managing their people, right? Hey, tell me if there's something wrong and are you, how are you meeting with those folks that are in Alaska and tell me what they're saying. Is that another piece to this puzzle? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Jason. It's really as an enterprise level leader in a major organization, your role really has to be two things. One is getting to know and building the skills in those managers who manage others. And the other is setting the stories around a culture that encourages that behavior. You know, I was privileged enough to work in the Navy submarine community several years ago, and one of the things that they do so well is capture and retell stories that connect people throughout the organization to the mission. You know, everybody knows the Thresher or the Admiral Rickover stories about nuclear safety, and they drive so much of a culture there that there hasn't been an incident in over 50 years. And I think strong leaders know how to connect story of what their organization does well to inspire and motivate people who they work for but also people they manage and translate that culture down the organization. Well, Haji, you heard Tim mention culture in about half a dozen times. I cringe a little bit when I hear it's all about the culture. You got to change the culture. But in many ways, it's it's understanding and then adapting and, and, and modifying what's happening. Talk a little bit about that culture change that we know always needs to happen. Yeah, you know, people understand their their culture conceptually, as I mentioned earlier. It's really understanding, really, there are tools that they can use. There's qualitative tools and there's quantitative tools to gather the right data so they can define exactly what their culture is. 
And, and defining that culture is so important to, to moving forward and changing it and improving it. I think that Absolutely. people lose track that, that well, we just have to make this change because it has to happen. Well, this has been just a fascinating conversation, and we're going to do something a little different now. Uh, we're going to move into what we're going to call the lightning round. This is like a game show, but not really a lot of games or shows. But uh, we're gonna, I'm going to ask each of you a separate question, and, and I'm going to ask you to keep your answer to about 30 seconds or less, or, or maybe a little more for Tim. But uh, So we'll, we'll start with uh, Lahaja, since uh, uh, when we talk about the people-centered workplace, remind us, again, what does that mean? 30 seconds or less. So people-centered workplace is really helping leaders understand that they're putting their, their people first, right? They're breaking, uh, they're breaking the conventional notion of putting leaders first and putting the people first and helping them understand where their values connect to the organization. All right, Anna, when you talk about the missing link about driving successful leadership, what is that missing link? Yeah, I really think there's two critical factors. One is follow-through and accountability. Um, leadership development, it's like an exercise regimen. Yeah, you can hit the snooze button some mornings, but you've got to get up more often than not so you can stay in shape. And leadership development is exactly just like that. You've got to flex those muscles so you can continually build and grow on the progress that you're making. And then the second thing is it can't be a one-size-fits-all approach. We've talked a lot today about how it needs to be about the individual and how that really feeds organizations organizational success. And so organizations, as they're investing in leadership development, they need to offer a breadth of opportunities. But also there's the, the fact that people need to own their learning. A lot of it has to be self-driven between those opportunities that the organization provides. I think you make a key point, own your learning. I think yes. a lot of people think, well, they're not giving me that opportunity. Uh, Tim, here we go, under 30 seconds. Uh, how, do you, how do you become a better leader? What's, what's the advice you have there? You know, I think getting honest feedback can be hard when you're a leader. It's lonely at the top. Countless studies have shown that the higher you get in organizations, the harder it is to get real feedback. Management concepts, we use three kind of tactics. One is 360 feedback, which allows you to get multi-rater feedback from an anonymous and confidential sources to improve your skills. The second, I would say, is invest in building peer relationships. Peers are often your best mirror because there's no risk and there's no competition involved, and they just want to honestly and genuinely help you get better. And the third way is consider getting an outsider executive coach. You know, executive coaches are professionals who help you do structured self-discovery to help you know what you need to get better at and then walk with you on that journey of improvement. All right, Sherry, you're going to get the last comment. You're going to get the last lightning round question of the day. Uh, how do, how, what is success? What, how do you improve chances for success? It boils down to three key things, communication and transparency, stakeholder engagement, and leadership alignment and commitment to that change. Ultimately, it's in order to move your agency from the planning phase to the execution phase, you have to be aware and recognize that there's going to be some resistance to that change. And it's about how you change those resistors into advocates. All right, great advice, great conversation. Unfortunately, though, we are out of time for today. You've been listening to the panel discussion, People First, a strategy to drive change, sponsored by Management Concepts on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'd like to thank my guests today, Tim Bowden, the General Manager of Consulting for Management Concepts, Sherry Merrill, the Executive Director of Product Management for Management Concepts, Anna Malden, the Product Management Director for Leadership and Management at Management Concepts, and Lahaja Ferrara, a Senior Human Capital Advisor for Management Concepts. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsradio.com and search Management Concepts. Thank you for listening to The People First, a strategy to drive change. Discussion sponsored by Management Concepts on Federal News Radio 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. The entire discussion is available on demand at federalnewsradio.com, keyword Management Concepts.
Management Concepts understands that people are the most important resource for building, supporting, and sustaining a high-performing organization. Management Concepts helps you plan for, develop, and manage your workforce to achieve your mission. Learn how at managementconcepts.com. Okay, forest animals, today is a new day. Kids are coming to the forest, and it's up to us to make their visit a good one. Sparrow. Yes? Have you practiced the most popular bird songs for the year? Of course. Catchy. I like it. Okay, River. Dude. How's the temperature? It's a refreshing 52 degrees, man. Perfect for a little riverside shoeless relaxation. Ah, good. Owl, you hear? Cool. Who's asking? I am. Look, you know the drill. Sleep during the day, scare the kids at night. Perfect. I love my job. Uh, Oak Tree? What's up? Still in the same place I left you last year. That's what I like. Consistency. Well, it's not like I'm going anywhere for the next couple hundred years. I know. I love it. Uh, Turtle. Turtle. He's not here yet, man. Ugh, he's late every morning. You'd think you would have learned by now to leave the night before our meetings. Okay. Squirrel. Has anybody seen Mr. Squirrel? The forest has been preparing just for you. Visit a forest near you today. To learn more about cool things to do in the forest, visit discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council.